You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with some breaking developments in a case involving an excessive speeder who killed a Vancouver doctor in 2015. The driver was recently acquitted, but tonight he may still have to face justice. Jade Aran joins us live in the newsroom tonight. Jade, this is what the victim's daughter has been pushing for. That's right, Sophie. Monique Huey expressing relief and gratitude tonight. Last month, to her shock, the accused Ken Chung was found not guilty of dangerous driving causing death in the collision that ended the life of her father, Dr. Alphonsus Huey. Chung was driving 139 kilometers an hour, almost three times the speed limit moments before the crash. Outraged by the acquittal, Monique started a petition calling for an appeal. And this afternoon, the B.C. Prosecution Service announced there would be one. I was shocked, surprised, relieved, Um, just uh, so many emotions that I felt, Um, and I just had to take some time to absorb it. I called my mom right away, and we cried. We cried. The B.C. Prosecution Service is seeking a ruling from the court that the acquittal be set aside, a conviction substituted as originally charged, or a new trial ordered. Sophie? All right, we'll see what happens with this. Jay, thank you. Well, disturbing new video tonight of the alleged abuse a B.C. woman suffered at the hands of her common-law husband before she disappeared in Peru. Kimberly Kasatkin's partner was eventually arrested and spent time in prison, but he's now been released. And tonight, Kasatkin's parents are appealing for help. Riminadea explains why they fear time is running out to see justice served. Hit my face. Here's my knee. He grabbed the back of my hair. Handfuls of hair, look, coming out. Just show that in the sink. Kimberly Kasatkin's parents were shocked when they saw these new images of their daughter on Peruvian television. I'm very angry with bruises and hair loss and the petechia in her mouth. According to, to the information we have, that's from being strangled. Toki. Under Peruvian law, Kimberly's partner, Christopher Franz Batachi, was charged with femicide, the killing of a woman. He was arrested in February last year. He spent several months in prison, but Kimberly's parents say they just learned he was released last Thursday. And somebody paid, paid it off. We were blindsided. The press were contacting us from Lima and... We had no idea what had happened. Cinco de junio pasado. Released on a technicality and court delays, say Kimberly's parents, despite evidence which includes a video that, according to reports, shows Batachi allegedly dragging Kimberly's body in a bag. He denies it, claiming it was camping gear. Kimberly has never been found. We've kind of given up a good portion of our retirement to just say, well, where can we go? How can we make... How can we get justice out of Peru for this? Kimberly's parents say the Canadian embassy in Lima told them it sent a letter to the president of superior court judges in Peru asking them to investigate why the delays. The family still waiting for a response. Kimberly's parents are still fighting to gain custody of the couple's two kids, aged eight and four, who are still in Peru. 
Meanwhile, the clock is ticking. The prosecutor in Peru has until the end of August to file the necessary documents. If not, the case could be thrown out. My fear is that uh, all of this is going to lead to nothing and he's just going to be a free man. Romina Dea, Global News. RCMP are looking for a suspect in a stabbing at a hotel in Surrey. It happened just after 5.30 this morning inside the entrance of the Sheraton Hotel in Guildford. The victim, who has not been identified, was transported to hospital with serious injuries. Police describe the man they're looking for as a dark-skinned male with a shaved head. They do not believe there is a risk to the public. A rally in Surrey that attracted thousands of people concerned about gang violence in the community is being followed up tonight with a forum aimed at stopping the violence. Nadia Stewart is at Surrey City Hall with more on this. Nadia, they have a special guest speaker this evening. Yeah, his name is Andrew Bacchus. He is a gang expert from Toronto. We'll talk more about him uh, in a moment. Uh, but as you mentioned, Chris, this all comes following a rally that was held uh, not too long ago uh, following the deaths of two teens in the Campbell Heights neighborhood. We're hearing from the community that more needs to be done. And that is exactly what Andrew Bacchus is saying as well. And when I chatted with him, he said that he had the opportunity since he's arrived in the metro area to meet with youth at a detention center in Burnaby. He says these kids come from good homes, but said they fell into trouble because there was little else to keep them busy. And there was also an absence of positive male role models in their lives. I said, so, you know, how'd you get caught up in this? They said, well, we didn't really have nothing else to do. You know, um, they also shared with me that they're, they feel that their their families aren't necessarily engaged, especially um, like the male people within their families. And that's something that I see right across the country. Boredom, obviously a huge part of this. Nadia, what kind of solutions uh, is Andrew suggesting might help here? Well, at the simplest level, he's talking about the kind of programming that would keep these kids busy. We've heard about the wraparound program. Uh, we've heard of other programs in uh, in Surrey that uh, are already in operation. He wants to see some of those programs possibly expanded. Uh, so he's here tonight to, to talk about those solutions and others. We'll have a full wrap about that at the 11 o'clock show. Back to you, Chris. All right. Let's hope the message sinks in. Thanks very much, Nadia. Allegations of racism are being made against Vancouver police over who they choose to stop for street checks. First Nations leaders looked at the VPD's own data to find a much higher percentage of Native people are stopped than should be, based solely on population numbers. But as Ted Chernecki reports, the VPD says the numbers don't tell the whole story. BC Civil Liberties wants to know if a Caucasian walking through the downtown east side has the same likelihood of being stopped by the police and questioned, as does a native, for no apparent reason. I feel that it's just harassment to be asked where I'm going, what I'm doing. BC Civil Liberties head office is now in Chinatown and its executive director believes he has first-hand experience involving alleged racial profiling. I've been uh, in and out of this neighborhood for years and have never once been been stopped by police. Civil Liberty says police records over the last 10 years show that 15% of all street interviews involve natives when the indigenous population of Vancouver is only about 2%. It's an operational decision and uh, the discretion of police officers and so we want to be sure they can do their job and that uh, that public and individuals are protected. This is day one after you know when a complaint's been filed and uh, the mayor made that statement. We certainly hope that they're going to be open to taking a, 
uh, a genuine, uh, independent look at what's going on here. So now the issue goes before the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner, and Vancouver's police chief says he's totally fine with that. Now that we can actually get the full story out, and it's not just looking at a number on a spreadsheet, but actually providing context and the explanation behind the numbers. What we're calling for now is a very clear path forward so that we can address this. So people of colour do not need to walk down the street and be concerned about being randomly stopped by the police. Clearly there's a larger percentage of natives living on the downtown east side than the 2% average citywide. But Civil Liberty still believes they are unnecessarily harassed for behaviour that in any other neighbourhood would never be deemed suspicious in nature. Tetschneck Global News. More tonight on the renewed calls for ride-sharing in B.C. after a pregnant woman, who also happens to be a celebrity, was left at the curb. They refused a nice little pregnant lady today. When can we get Uber? Jillian Harris called Bel Air Taxi recently to take her from Port Moody to downtown Vancouver. But when the driver heard her destination, she was denied and offered only to be dropped off at the SkyTrain station. All right, the Premier was questioned about ride-sharing today. Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria. Keith, do we have any reason to be optimistic at all about Uber's arrival soon? Not yet, Chris. You know, ride-sharing is an issue that really bedevils both the B.C. NDP and the B.C. Liberal parties. They're really dragging their heels on this. Uh, again, John Horgan asked about it today. He promises an announcement in the fall, but no sooner do you ask the NDP or even the Liberals about ride-sharing than they quickly move to protecting the existing taxi industry to make sure none of them get unfairly penalized. So here's the latest offering from the Premier on ride-sharing. We have to make sure that we're doing this in a way that doesn't uh, destroy the industry that exists today. And that, that's the challenge that we face, and you know, the previous government faced it as well. Uh, ride hailing was suggested back in 2012, and here we are now in, in 2018. I've had 10 months to work on it, and I'm going to need a couple of months more. So a big reason why this is a, a troubling issue uh, for both the BC NDP and the BC Liberals, Chris, is the fact that the last election was decided in relatively few suburban ridings where the taxi industry has a dis- disproportionate amount of political power on both political parties. And that's why they're moving so slow on an issue a lot of people want to see ended and brought to BC quicker than what's currently on the table. All right. Thanks, Keith. All right. A major groundbreaking today at YVR. Billions of dollars is being invested over the next two decades to ensure YVR becomes a major hub airport. Jill Bennett was at the announcement today and took the tour. And Jill, what will this all mean for travelers? Sophie, for passengers, it means there will be more parking, there will be more gates, albeit some outside the main terminal, and there will be more destinations available from YVR. With shovels in the ground, 75 major projects at YVR are now underway. The airport is spending $9.1 billion to be a world-class hub. We expect our passenger growth to continue with an estimated 32 million passengers by 2022. And those millions of passengers will start seeing some big improvements. A forest inside one of the new buildings, more than 2,200 additional parking spots, with a new parkade with green lights guiding drivers to empty stalls. And a new international pier means more planes will be landing. This project will add capacity for an additional eight wide-body aircraft. 
and it will be beautiful. The plan is also to move people and goods faster and more efficiently. The airport authority is purchasing buses and high-end ramps, meaning some passengers will board and exit planes outside the main terminal. The passengers will uh, spend most of their time in the terminal as, as, as you would normally for a flight. But then when you board, instead of going on to an aircraft loading bridge, you'll simply get on to a really nice bus. The airport is also investing $150 million to adopt and build international runway safety standards. This is 300 meters of additional pavement at each end of the runway. And this is so that planes have a little more pavement in case the unlikely event of an overshoot or an underrun when they're landing or taking off. As YVR continues on the path of being one of the fastest growing airports in North America, passengers are being assured steps will be taken to minimize the impact during major construction for the next 20 years. The $9.1 billion tab will be paid for with airport revenues, including the passenger airport improvement fee. It's currently $5 for flights within B.C., $20 for other flights, and the airport authority says there are no plans to increase that fee. Back to you. All right, Jill Bennett at YVR. Jill, thank you. Right now, though, even at a time when the theft of metal seems to be epidemic, this one has both police and the victims shaking their heads. A giant lawn ornament stolen from a home in White Rock. And when you see the size and the weight of it, you'll wonder how they did it. John Waugh reports. Every step through Wendy Brake's front garden tells a story about her family's nautical heritage. Our family is the sea. That's, that's what we do. We spend all of our time on the ocean. The front door features Race Rock's lighthouse, first lit and manned by her great-great-great-grandfather in the 1860s. Then came a full-size anchor. And wait until you see the solid brass propeller. I got up and the propeller was gone. So I was devastated. The brazen theft from her White Rock home was discovered early Tuesday morning and Brakes believes it must have happened during the middle of the night. And to actually scrape it over the top of the fence and take it away from us, I feel so violated. Now there's no doubt that pulling off this heist was a huge job, considering thieves were lifting a propeller that was not only 48 inches in diameter and weighed 500 pounds. It was also tethered to that tree with a steel chain. You know, just to like move it that much, so... It must have taken four guys. How's it going? Not good. Weave Cleveland would know. He was one of the four guys it took to place the propeller there in the first place. This doesn't feel good, so I feel really bad for Wendy. It's heartbreaking, you know. The most likely motive is the propeller will be sold for scrap metal. Brakes praise that's not the case and is offering a reward to get it back intact. It's worth more than, than the money for the brass. It's, it's sentiment. In the meantime, Brakes will be installing cameras to make sure no more of her nautical garden features are taken for an unwanted voyage. John Hua, Global News. The city of Vancouver is expanding its bike share program, trying to make it more affordable and more accessible to more people. The bike share program is moving into the commercial drive area and also lowering the age required to use the program from 16 down to 12. We now have 150 stations with over 1,500 bikes. We've had uh, 930,000 rides since the program started. 
which is closing in on a million rides uh, in uh, in less than two years now, and over 75,000 users for the uh, Moby by Shaw Go Bikes. The city has also launched a pilot program with Van City that will allow 300 eligible low-income riders to use the bikes for $20 a year. Got some breaking news for you now. Just moments ago, a coroner's jury handed down its recommendations in the death of Lisa Dudley. Back in mission back in 2008. But an officer dispatched to the area after a 911 call never got out of his patrol car. And she died four days later. Dudley's family had said they were doubtful the inquest would hold anyone accountable and instead want to take their fight to Ottawa. Among its seven recommendations handed down just a few minutes ago, the jury says 911 dispatchers should be more thorough in taking information. It also says RCMP need to follow up thoroughly after every call, and it calls on the Solicitor General to institute province-wide procedures and protocols for police responding to calls. We'll have, of course, much more on this tonight on the News at 11. It's one of the most popular outdoor destinations for people who live in the Tri-Cities. For many, the shoreline is irresistible. But venturing too far can get you into deep trouble very quickly. So today, local firefighters spent time training for very tricky rescues. Linda Ellsworth reports. Follow the shoreline trail to the old mill site in Port Moody, and you'll find yourself at the head of a rather picturesque inlet. It looks basically like sand and it looks like you can walk across it but you take a couple couple steps out and it just it just sucks you in and doesn't let you go that's no exaggeration stuck up to her armpits and with the tide coming in it took a team of port moody firefighters to extricate this woman it usually happens about a couple times a year uh we've seen a bit of an increase over the past couple of years we're not sure exactly why maybe it's just the popularity of the region which is why every year Port Moody Fire and Rescue holds a training exercise to prevent them from becoming the rescuee. Mud boots to keep them on top of the muck, mostly. Mud's getting really heavy on her boots here. Of course, it wouldn't be much of a rescue without a victim. That's it, I'm stuck. It's deceiving how quickly the mud just encapsulates your legs and uh, totally immobilizes you. Let's try not to move around. The more you move, the more you're going to get stuck. By the time they reach their victim, everyone is exhausted. Pulling them out of the mud isn't an option. They'll have to blast them out with water. It's a a forestry hose, and we connect it to a piercing nozzle, uh, which pierces into the mud. And what that's going to do is it's going to liquefy all this thick mud, and hopefully we'll be able to pull your legs out. Normally used to penetrate walls or floors to reach fires, the piercing nozzle works pretty well on mud. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one out. And with that, Rob is freed, loaned a pair of mud boots, and slowly but surely on his way. So, what have we all learned today? Stay off our beautiful mud flats because it's a very dangerous area. It looks inviting, but it's just not safe. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Some stunning new video from the U.S. Geological Survey shows lava from Hawaii's Mount Kilauea spilling into the ocean. Large earthquakes and steam explosions at the summit have been occurring on an almost daily basis over the past few days. A number of earthquakes triggered by ash explosions at the summit are also creating small tsunamis. 
And some eerie new photos of the towns devastated by the eruption of Guatemala's volcano of fire showing a modern-day Pompeii. Toothpaste and a toothbrush left on a bathroom wall, a garage and a pile of ash, a kitchen blanketed in volcanic debris. Rescuers have now headed back into the area to search for bodies. Heavy rains and continued volcanic activity forced authorities to suspend their search last week. But many desperate families and friends of the missing have continued looking on their own. At least 110 people died when the eruption sent waves of superheated debris down onto villages. About 200 people are still missing. Somber services today across the U.K. to mark one year since the deadly Grenfell Tower fire. For the next 72 seconds, we keep silence and remember. Survivors and families of the victims gathered to honor the 72 people killed in the disaster. The blaze started in a fourth floor fridge and ripped through the structure while people slept. The flames were fueled by a type of combustible siding now facing a possible ban in the U.K., the tragedy also triggering a public inquiry. New York's attorney general is suing Donald Trump's charity. The state alleges the Trump Foundation was used illegally to pay off debt and funnel money into Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. It seeks $2.8 million U.S. and for the charity to be shut down. The president denies the allegations and says... He will not settle out of court. Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has another big idea, this one planned for under the streets of Chicago. A new high-speed link from the city's downtown core to one of the busiest airports in the world. In a city notorious for traffic congestion and gridlock, Elon Musk's boring company today got the mayoral nod to dig deep. A tunnel for a high-speed trip from downtown Chicago to O'Hare Airport. Called the Express Loop, the design is similar to Musk's plan for Los Angeles, using electric pods built by Tesla to carry 16 people at up to 150 miles per hour. Travel time, 12 minutes, four times faster than the current 17-mile trip. Ticket price, 25 bucks. Well, we're super excited to do what I think is going to be groundbreaking technology in one of the greatest cities in the world. No cost to the city. Musk will pay a billion dollars to build the system, then maintain and run it. This, to me, is a great investment for Chicago's future. While the mayor is on board, city council and regulatory agencies would have to agree. Musk has a track record of success. His SpaceX rockets fly to the space station. His Tesla car brand has been revolutionary, though struggled recently, laying off 9% of the workforce. Now, Chicago is wondering whether Musk's boring company can bore its way through obstacles above ground and below. Tom Costello, NBC News. Well, if today is any indication, Queen Elizabeth just might have a new favorite granddaughter-in-law. The former Meghan Markle, now the Duchess of Sussex, made her first joint appearance with the Queen today at a series of events in northwestern England. The Queen and the Duchess both looked like they were enjoying themselves, but it was the still photos that appeared to capture a budding friendship. The two laughing at what was obviously an inside joke. The Queen abandoning her normally regal comportment and showing no hesitation in having a good laugh with the Duchess. In Health Matters tonight, Vancouver Island is about to open its largest supervised drug consumption site. The Pandora Center opens Monday in Victoria. 
with 10 consumption booths, post-use areas and counseling services. Paramedics will also be on site. The health ministry says services like this save lives and connect people with addiction issues to the support they need in dealing with their addictions. Well, this is World Blood Donor Day, and to mark the occasion, two young recipients of blood transfusions and their families thanked the anonymous donors who saved their lives. Ten-year-old Jaden from White Rock and 11-year-old Jay from Victoria were both diagnosed with leukemia. She has been in remission for five years. He is currently undergoing treatment. Blood products have played a vital role in both their treatments. She wouldn't have been able to receive her chemo if it wasn't for the blood that was donated, and I encourage people to give whenever they can. Um, it made a difference, huge difference in, in our lives, so thank you. Thanks to all the blood donors, uh, you helped save a lot of children's lives. Don't stop giving. <laughs> oh, how can you say no to that? Well, Canadian Blood Services says it's never been easier to donate. You can make an appointment online and walk-ins are accepted at all blood services locations. Good luck, Jaden, with your treatment. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A high-profile art theft is the talk of Toronto with police on the lookout for a stolen print. The fact it was part of an unauthorized show of the work of a notorious street artist only adds to the mystery. Where, oh where, could the missing Banksy be? That's the question Toronto police are trying to get to the bottom of. To the person responsible, a message from organizers. You've been very foolish. It's very embarrassing for the city of Toronto that a piece of art has disappeared here, and you should return it to the police. There are supposed to be three prints that comprise Trolley Hunter. Now there are just two. Surveillance video released by police on Thursday shows a man in a black jacket skulking into the room before making off with the pricey print. The police are currently working with the art exhibitor. Organizers believe during the installation Sunday, one of them was taken from the venue housing the art of Banksy. Its estimated value, $45,000. Ironic that a, a piece of public art like that that's meant to be seen for free is, is now stolen and valued. But what do you make of this? I think Banksy did it. I think Banksy stole his own piece, so that's how I'm going into it. The prolific street artist is himself shrouded in mystery. His real identity is a closely guarded secret. His works, powerful political and social commentaries. He's thought to have started as a freehand graffiti artist in the early 90s. 11 years have been stuck in the eye of a hurricane. It was the best 11 years of my life. The curator, Banksy's former agent Steve Lazaridis. But it's an unauthorized showing of the artist's work, meaning mine Banksy's blessings. Lazaridis was interviewed this past Tuesday by Global News online video journalist Alia Adam. Collectively, things, all these things are about thirty-five million dollars. So, Got yeah, good security. Yeah. yeah. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. Ah, oh, the mystery. Firefighters in Italy have a delicate situation on their hands. What they pulled out of these narrow tubes right after the forecast. Yeah, I want to stick around for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, while well, uh, you were doing your own thing in the afternoon yesterday, there was some pretty serious weather for some folks, and we've got to look at that, too, from Christy right now. 
Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, so we talked about a number of thunderstorms yesterday all across uh, the Surrey, Langley area. Reports of downbursts or downpours of 50 millimeters in an hour potentially, just completely torrential. But also some downbursts, intense ones that actually blew rocks off of a a building onto a parking lot. A number of cars uh, sending me images on Twitter with their windows completely smashed and almost looks like hail. Uh, And you can see the rocks just down all of the roofs of the cars. So uh, I don't know what um, insurance will do with that, but that it was quite a downburst. We don't have any reports of the winds in that area, no actual station, but I'm sure the winds were incredibly strong in that localized area. Now, thunderstorm risk tomorrow. We don't have any out there today, but tomorrow is what we're going to be watching. At this point, all of these areas in blue have the potential of thunderstorms tomorrow. At this point, also non-severe, but we will update you on that tomorrow as we start to get a better idea of what we're talking about. Meanwhile, for the south coast, we do have a risk of thunderstorms as well, but here's where we expect it to be. It will be mainly along the north shore, up towards Squamish as well, and then out into the Fraser Valley. Those of you across Vancouver Island, mainly along the spine, but you can expect it possibly from Nanaimo up towards Campbell River as well. So these are pockets, but pretty intense when they push in, and then they move out quite quickly. And then after that, so that's tomorrow, and then after that, we get hot, everyone. We We've got a big upper-level ridge that's going to build. These are the temperatures you can expect out in the Fraser Valley. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday will be the hottest, potentially record-breaking for sure, well above seasonal by a good 10 degrees. And this is what you can expect in the southern interior, up to 34 degrees potentially come Wednesday. So here's a look at your Friday. Again, that risk of thunderstorms from uh, the southern part of BC Peace River all the way across the south pockets of these showers or thunderstorms, and that's the same for the south coast as well. And then after that, we clear out and we get very hot. Happy Father's Day, early Father's Day for everyone out there. It is certainly going to be a hot one. And I will leave you with a shot from yesterday as well during those thunderstorms. This is from New Westminster looking south towards the Surrey with the thunderstorms there and a beautiful rainbow. Benefit of a little rain. Yeah. And sunshine. Thanks very much, Christy. Thank you, Christy. Firefighters in Italy were called out for a rescue that demanded all of their ingenuity. They were told that three kittens had fallen into some deep tubes just a few centimeters wide. The team fabricated some rope lanyards and somehow managed to get them wrapped around the kittens. They pulled them out gently, and all three kittens survived. After a quick checkup, they were handed back over to their mother. Who I'm certain was happy to see them. Tiny kittens. Wow. Teensy doesn't love little tiny kittens on a newscast. Squire, you're allergic, aren't you? Well, I mean, but I can't smell them through the screen, so. As long as you can look at them (laughs) and not not touch them. I'm telling you, four legs and feathers, always good television. (laughs) Reminiscing Uh, about amazing white spot meals. Well, it's dinner time. (laughs) It is. I know there's a little grumbling on the set here. Okay, you know what? Uh, in Russia, in Russia, party finds you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do a little Yakov Shinner off for you. Uh, hosting has its benefits. Russia got to start off the World Cup by playing what many think is the worst team in the tournament, Saudi Arabia. Not that Russia is ranked very high either. But it set off a party in Moscow that rivaled any bash Alex Ovechkin has been part of this past week. Here we go. Russia and Saudi Arabia. Let us begin. A month-long celebration of the beautiful game. This is pretty beautiful. Nice goal. Yuri Gazinski, 12th minute, 1-0 for the home team. Denis 
Cheryshev. Oh, with moves. The Saudi goalie was pretty tragic. Uh, 2-0 at the half. 71st minute, Artem Zuba. That one is also going in. Oh, well, Putin's like, I'm, I'm sorry. We're scoring on you. I, I can't help that. Uh, that made it 3-0. Cheryshev again. 5-zip the final. Russia off and running. And that game started Group A on its round robin. Each team gets at least three games at this tournament. Top two in each group move on to the uh, knockout stage. Chanel's been previewing all the groups at the World Cup. Today, Group D, this one not only has Lionel Messi and the Argentinians, but also Iceland, the smallest country ever at the World Cup. Group D appears to be one of the toughest groups with three of the four teams ranked in the top 22 in the world. Now, Argentina is the favorite to finish first, but if Lionel Messi isn't at his best, Iceland, Croatia, or even Nigeria could throw Group D out of whack. The 2014 runners-up will go as Lionel Messi goes. Arguably, the best player of all time is determined to finally claim a trophy for his country. Now, in 10 games during qualification, Argentina lost just one time with Messi in the lineup. Without him, they won just once in eight matches. This is likely his last chance at winning a World Cup title. After a memorable run at the Euros two years ago, Iceland topped the group during qualification, which included some tough foes. The smallest nation to ever qualify for the finals doesn't have any big names, but had nine different players score at least one goal in qualifying, showing they can produce from all over the pitch. Croatia finished second to Iceland in qualifying and have one of the best midfields led by Luka Modric. Now the defense and lack of depth are question marks, but they are good enough to advance. It could come down to their final match versus Iceland. Croatia has not made it out of the group stage since 1998. Nigeria qualified out of the group of death in Africa where the Super Eagles went undefeated. They are the continent's best hope of a deep run. Alex Iwobi and Kalechi Ayanacho are emerging stars in the Premiership, but the competition may be too stiff for the Nigerians in Russia. U.S. Open first round. Tiger Woods' first hole. Uh-huh. Nope, that's coming right back to you. It sounded like he hit the... you got to speed this up. Yeah, it's coming back. He took a triple bogey seven on his first hole. Well, that's no way to start. Jordan Spieth. Nope, that's also... He's trying to mark it. Nope, sorry. That's also coming back to you. Rory McIlroy. Didn't move his ball very much, but he did find Jimmy Hoffa in there. So, you know, a plus. 10 over 80. There were some good shots. Ian Poulter. This is a par three. Da, 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 da. Oh, that's as close as it's going to get without going in. Uh, 169 tie for the lead. Only four players in the field broke par. Dustin Johnson, number one in the world. Count it. Oh, yeah, he played it well. Tie for the lead also at minus one. Back to Tiger on the 13th. He four putts this green. Oh. 
Shot an eight over 78. Short Jackson and Burmester. Dean Burmester, a 411 yard drive at 18. And then this is going straight in for Eagle. Adam Hadwin had a bit of a tough day, 13 over 83. You know what's starting tonight? CFL. Mike Riley, former Lion and the Eskimos against the Blue Bombers. Uh, Look at this. And it is caught, and this is gone. Darrell, Darrell Walker, that's a 101-yard touchdown pass, but they have stopped the game right now in the second quarter because there's some serious lightning in the neighborhood. And everybody has to take cover. There you go. How's Biggie playing for the Bombers? He's wearing number four. Is he? Not the 44. Well, that's yeah. surprising. All right. Thanks, Squire. You're Thank welcome. you, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. The Transportation Safety Board investigating after a WestJet flight from Vancouver to Calgary was forced to make an emergency landing early this morning when the fire warning light went off in the cargo area. And RCMP are trying to identify and locate a suspicious man seen inside the nest at UBC Student Union Building. The man is described as five foot eight with a medium to heavy build with short brown hair. Anyone with information about his whereabouts is asked to call the University RCMP Detachment. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. All right, and thank you. Squire looks back at 90 years of triple O sauce and pirate packs right after a break. But first, here's Kasha Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasha? All right, we've got some great things lined up for you, all on the outside. First off, Lynn Valley Days is here in North Vancouver with a pancake breakfast, the big parade, then fair rides, bouncy castles, and an evening with live music at the beer gardens. But if you want to focus on the live music and local craft beer, the Red Truck Stop Concert Series is where it's at. Rock out with 1,200 of your best friends outside of the brewery in the heart of the city. River Market is all about feast and fun at the Fraser River in New West. Sundays, the artisan markets head outside onto the boardwalk, shop over 25 vendors, and enjoy the gorgeous riverfront views. Bring Dad out this Sunday for the Squamish Street Festival. Once a month, Squamish holds a summer street festival right downtown with vendors, food trucks, a kid's zone, entertainment, and a craft beer garden. This weekend, two car-free day festivals are happening in Vancouver. Forget the traffic and embrace the community and local culture with several stages, vendors, kid zones, and more. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, a new bachelorette controversy that has everyone talking. Plus, you got to see Drake's epic return to his roots in his latest video. And we quiz the Quizard Wizard with our own HQ trivia game. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. What's a Quizard Wizard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Okay, so White Spot, the kids love it. The Pirate Packs, I know Will loves it there. It's celebrating a big Pirate anniversary. Pack is actually going to be 50 years old this July. Wow. Amazing. So it didn't come in until White Spot had been there in. 40 years. Yeah, and 40 the years. restaurant itself is going to be 90 years old this Saturday. Wow. With all this activity, time comes when you're hungry. And BC has been hungry for White Spot for 90 years. We know we serve 30,000 guests a day in our restaurants. And uh, so between 12 million at our full-service restaurants, another 5 million at our Triple O's locations. White Spot was the brainchild of Nat Bailey, 
He named the restaurant after one in Los Angeles. Originally built on all things chicken, its calling card eventually became its burger. 40% of our guests come to a restaurant, no matter what we create as far as new menu items, go back to a triple O burger. Speaking of triple O, the sauce is mayo, relish, and... Oh, those are just two of the ingredients. We can't tell you the other ones. Okay, how about why is it called triple O? Well, when the car hop used to come and you'd have mayonnaise and relish, if you wanted more, you'd circle it on the order pass. So you'd circle hamburger, relish, and mayonnaise, and it would go O, O, O across an order pad. Hence the old, hey, can I have that triple O? And it just meant more sauce on the burgers. And it was love of the white spot that led Peter Toygo Sr. to buy the company in 1983 for $60 million. It was, uh, it was a very big deal. It was the biggest deal he'd ever done in his life. And uh, at the time, we had a lot of pride. In white. When, before we owned it, people would come to the town, oh, I got to take it a white spot, and you got to try this burger. And so there was a lot of pride in that brand. Under the Toygo family, white spot has expanded. They even have restaurants in Asia. Owning White Spot is kind of like owning an icon. I got some news for you tonight. Yes, sir, direct from Nat Bailey himself at the White Spots. Now, you know where the White When you look at 90 years of history, remaining relevant is so important. that, uh, And we, think, we can think of a lot of Vancouver and British Columbia institutions that we all grew up with that aren't there today. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a cult following for British Columbians. It was something that you were proud of when you brought people to town. And that is a White Spot meal. Car hop style. <laughs> pickles. I love the pickles. These are insane. Oh, no. I'm with <laughs> you. They are pickles insane. Are insane. I know a woman who was grew up in Vancouver, moved to Toronto, and when people go visit her from BC, they have to bring White Spot on the plane to Toronto. <laughs> right. Wouldn't they get a little cold? It's a five-hour flight, six-hour flight, whatever. <laughs> Triple O so, sauce doesn't age. That's right. There's no, no deadline on so, that. So how many more drive-ins I think or there's, leftover? There's, I think there's 132 stores that you combine the sit-downs and the triple O's mm-hmm. in BC, and 10 of them have the car hop service. One in North Van. Where we were today, it was park and kids. Kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, be fun. Yeah. Great childhood memories of that. Uh, Love it. Awesome. Thanks <laughs> very much for that, Squire. And uh, mm-hmm. thank you very much for watching. Hope you have a great evening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Well, I won't be here for a Father's Day long weekend, but you guys will. Have a good night, all.